Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you today on another podcast on this Wednesday, December 16th of 2020. Uh, We're so grateful, along with my brothers, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, who's joining me today, to come together and gather around and and just study the Word of God and see things prophetically. We are so delighted to have you join us today, wherever you're joining us from, wherever you find yourself. Thank you for setting out of your time to be able to study the Word of God together. This is a fellowship that is so needed in this hour. It doesn't matter who you are, Baptist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, it doesn't matter. Uh, If you're hungry for the Word of God, God is bringing you together. And we are beginning to see what God is truly saying. God has reserved uh, the things that we are speaking for our generation. That's what the prophets prophesied about. That's what Jesus told us. That's what the apostles told us, that in these last days, God would reveal these things to us. And so we are excited to be gleaning from the word of God. We are excited about what's ahead of us. We know that we wait as children of God for the coming of the Lord. That is our hope. But we know that as we see the word of God, as we head towards those days, that many things must take place. Prophecy is being fulfilled. But be encouraged today. We pray that you are encouraged today, and we pray that you are challenged, and we are ready to get into the Word of God. So, Brother Marty, we'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Well, amen. We're looking forward to today. We're beginning a new series as we spoke to you at the close. Uh, I believe we did, uh, or at least mentioned it at the close of our series yesterday in the book of Daniel. More than likely, as the days go by, we will continue to dig deeper into the things that were revealed there. But as we begin today, uh, we're beginning a new series, and we encourage you to open your Bibles to the book of Job. Job, that's where we'll be coming from. That's just before Psalms. Psalms is in the middle of your Bible. Job is right before it. We're going to be starting a new series today called The Ordinances of Heaven the ordinances of heaven. And so what we're going to conclude with, this will probably go through today, Thursday, and then we'll conclude Friday uh, on what we are heading towards, which is the great conjunction of 2020. Uh, scientists in, at NASA and all over the world really are excited as, as a, a celestial event is about to take place on December the 21st. This particular event has not been seen in over 800 years. And yet, just to add to the uh, <laughs> to the list of things that's happened in 2020, it appears that the heavens are closing out 2020 with a great declaration. Now, many people have been telling us that, uh, or if you read about it in the papers or however you get your information, you'll be getting to see that they're starting to talk about this great conjunction that's taking place. They're calling it the Great Conjunction of 2020. It happens to be occurring on December the 21st, the winter solstice. That's another thing that we will be looking at. And they're calling it the Christmas star. And the truth of the matter is, is, is it's anything but the Christmas star. 
Now, there was a Christmas star, and we're going to talk about that in the coming days as well. Uh, more than likely tomorrow, uh, we'll get, in, get into it in, in great depth. But we're going to lay some foundations today, and we're going to talk about things, because all these things we're talking about are exactly what the Lord told Job. These are the ordinances of heaven. And so you might hear some things that you've probably never heard before. Those of you who have been with us, you know um, that we, we've talked about these things at times over the last nine months since we began, by the grace of God, these podcasts in March. And so we want to look at these things today, and we're going to uh, look and use our foundational scripture as the book of Job. Now, the book of Job is, is one of the most revealing parts of the scripture. Yeah, yet it's probably one of the least books in the Bible that is really taught or 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 you rarely hear messages from it. Other than those who've been in the church long enough, you know we talk about the suffering of Job or if if you if you're if you've been in deeper studies, the Job is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. But really by and large you, you rarely hear um messages from the book of Job, it really is one of the least taught from books that there is. Yet so much is revealed in its 42 chapters. You know, there's more really revealed uh, in chapter 1 and 2 and chapter 38 through 42. More is revealed there concerning the Creator, the Father God, than any other book in the Bible. And what I mean by this is that Chapters 1 and 2 and chapters 38 through 42, what they actually record are the actual words of the Father, which he spoke to Job. It's, it's, it's a conversation of God with Job from, verse, from chapter 38 to 42, and it's also incredibly revealing because in chapter 1 and chapter 2, it's a conversation between God and Satan himself. So it's the actual words of, of the Father, and it's incredible when you read what the Father actually says to Job. So, you know, we could look at a whole bunch of different things, but as we begin a new flow, we believe, uh, and direction of what the Holy Spirit is guiding us to for the balance of our week, we're going to begin today as our foundational scripture by reading Job chapter 38. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Job chapter 38, and we'll begin with verse 30. And Brother Jeremy is going to read to us verse 30 through 33 as we begin our study today. We hope you're blessed, and we pray that the Lord would bless this time in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy. Amen. The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades? The Pleiades. Pleiades. Mm -hmm. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose yeah. the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maserath in this season, in his season? Or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Praise God. He asks Job, this is the Father God talking, and he asks Job, do you know the ordinances of heaven, and can you set the dominion thereof 
in the earth. And what we understand from this now as we get into our study today, uh, we want to pick it up here. Uh, Job's been under attack. I mean, that's really what the whole word is. Uh, the, the book of Job is the account of a righteous man. He really is the, a, a type of Christ in, in that he's a suffering uh, servant who 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 uh who comes up under attack and 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 yet uh in the end he he he's restored and and has double what he had before we're not going to explore the type of it from that perspective but we do see Christ in this in what brother Jeremy was just reading and as we know and I want to point this out right before we get into this Again, like we talked about yesterday and been talking about for months now, <clears throat> the key to understanding the scripture is finding Christ and the plan of Christ, the plan as unfolded and revealed in the Gospels and really throughout from Genesis to Revelation is found when we apply the the overall revelation of what God is, is, is telling us in his word uh, in every section of the Bible. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy that is revelation chapter 19 verse 10 and like we saw yesterday i think it was second corinthians was it chapter 3 uh, verse 13 and 14 where the apostle paul mm -hmm. told us that the, that the old testament is is concealed as as moses's face had a veil over it when he came down the mountains because from the mountain the second time the children of israel couldn't look at his face it was shining with the glory of God. And he likened that to the Old Testament being hidden from the Jews. But he also gave us a principle there that when we research or look into the Old Testament as the Holy Spirit leads us, the true understanding of what's being said there can only be understood and applied when we, when we remove the veil of it. And the, and the only way the veil can be removed is when we, when we research it, study it, meditate on it, pray over it as it pertains to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we look for Christ, suddenly the Old Testament comes alive and we realize what God is saying. Now, with that in mind, I said that to say this, because as we get into the study in the next couple of days, but we're really today we're going to see some extraordinary things, what God is telling Job. And I want you to understand Job, as we've taught you before, the Word of God is multi-layered with multiple revelations but tied to prophetic understanding. Whether you realize it or not, from Genesis to Revelation is one giant proclamation, one giant declaration of prophecy. <laughs> and I know, and I'm just going to leave that out there. You can figure it out on your own if you don't realize that yet. But everything is a prophecy. Everything's foretelling. Every story, every sign. Everything that's happened in the Word of God, especially in the Old Testament, was foretelling what was coming and what what would ultimately be in the end of time. So it's with that in mind that when we when we look at what we're about to see today, I want you to look at it from the perspective of Job as the end time church. It'll make more sense to you as we go into it. Let's just examine a little bit what we're talking about when we say something like that. Because what we have revealed to us in the Bible is as we come into the end times, there is going to be a season where the church itself will come up under specific attack of the enemy. 
And that is precisely what happened in this account of the great servant of God, Job himself. If you know the story, what you know about Job is he was going about his business, <laughs> being a, a, a great guy, really. And, uh, and, and, and then we're taken into this incredible insight. Let's go back to that in chapter one. Uh, go back in chapter one of Job, Brother Jeremy. And look what is is said there concerning Job in verse one. Can you can you talk about in verse one and two? Job one one and two. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. So we have here a, a complete number, right? The number 10 in verse 2. We have seven sons, three daughters. That's the number 10. Whenever you see that number in Scripture, it's it's speaking of a completion or a fullness. Um, and and so what we're what, what's being revealed at a much deeper prophetic level here, Job is a type of the church, is exactly what the scripture predicts in the end of time, that God will have a church uh, that he knows of. It'll be at the time when it has reached its completion. The testimony of that church is, is it, will be, it will be perfect, that is perfect in Christ, upright in behavior, one that walks in fear and worship of God, and one that separates and rejects evil. So that sets the tone for the end time as we're approaching this. And, and you'll see this more as we go along, uh, as we break down the scriptures we read earlier. Now, into this uh, introduction, as Job begins, from the perspective of the end time church now, suddenly there comes another player into the story. And, and Brother Jeremy, can you read that um, in verse 6 and 7? Are you there? Yes. It's now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down, in it. So from the perspective of biblical prophecy here, Job and his his sons and daughters as a type of the church in the end of time, we pick up the story here now. And we and what we see and what we're what, what we are witnessing as the veil is pulled back is that we have a meeting beginning to take place in the unseen realm, in heaven itself. And and we see that the sons of God, the stones of fire, really, is what what they are um, in type. Uh, but but the sons of God come to present themselves to the Lord. We won't get into all that because it's it's incredibly fascinating. Because what we're being allowed to see here are the actual interactions with God and His creation, and these aren't just you know, regular old folk here, man. We're talking about some of the highest order of created being and creature there is. His sons, the angelic 
component of his family and and they they are they come to present themselves to him in other words whatever activities they're involved in in the in the running of the universe in all its multiple dimensions they come to present themselves to god and and so right away our attention is turned into the councils of heaven the very the very council meeting room of god himself but then it says something very interesting in verse six. It says that 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 Satan came among them, and then God asks him this question in verse seven and says, "Where are you coming from?" Now, brothers and sisters, understand that God knows everything. So the question he asks here is not one of a lack of information on his part. Uh, he's asking the question because he's putting it in scripture for us to, to consider it at much deeper levels and to understand something about the enemy. And precisely when you apply the lens of the testimony of Jesus Christ being the spirit of prophecy, the response of the devil here is very telling because what he says in verse seven, could you read that to us again, brother Jeremy? Verse seven. Yes. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Now, when we compare this with the devil responds to the Lord, that old serpent, what he says to the Lord, the Lord is, is alerting us who understand prophetic things that in, in many ways what's being revealed here is we're moving into a condition now where the enemy is 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 all over the planet. That's what he says. He says that he's going to and fro in the earth, up and down in it. That's north, south, east, and west. He's in control or at least uh, patrolling it. And it really harkens to the book of Revelation where we're told in the end of time, that he will be in control of the planet for a season. The next thing that happens is the Lord draws our attention to verse 8. Can you read that? And the Lord said unto Satan, Have thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? So he draws Satan's attention to, to his servant Job, a type of Christ, a type of Christ's church. But for the purposes of this study, the fact that the enemy is now patrolling the whole planet, it seems to, to indicate that we're also looking in a much deeper way at what, what, is pro, what is proclaimed in the book of Revelation will happen. And the same pattern unfolds. You can read it in Revelation 13. The enemy is cast down to the earth. He goes forth to make war, right? with those who keep the commandments of God and those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation 13 begins with John standing on the sand of the sea, witnessing a, a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns upon the, uh, those heads and, and, and ten crowns. And then he to look upon him, he says, a leopard, he has the feet of the bear, the mouth of the lion. And then, uh, and then, uh, 
and then a mouth is given to him that the the actual antichrist comes forth and then he goes forth to make war with the saints it's an entire global system led by the dragon that comes up out of the sea what's very interesting here is that god only draws attention to, to job and job is a type of christ a type of christ's church in the end time coming up under uh, a time where the devil himself is now patrolling the whole planet and then <clears throat> and so god draws his attention to his church or to his servant however you want to say it and satan answers him and and then says uh does job fear god for nothing and what does god say uh or what does the devil say about job in verse 10 has not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side thou hast blessed the work of his hand and his substance is increased in the land incredible so so really he's describing the glorious church he's describing the prosperous church so to speak prosperous in spirit everything that 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 the, the child of god has is blessed it really is but this is a picture of a glorious church from this prophetic perspective and it's very interesting because a lot's revealed here what he says or implies is that he's tried to approach and destroy before but every time he comes up near job he says there's something around him there's a hedge there's a protective shield <laughs> hallelujah yeah. For those of you that are freaking out on what's going on in 2020 and what might be lying ahead, understand this. There's a protective shield around you, and God protects yeah. his children. But but what we're going to have and what we're going to see here is that that permission is going to be granted for a short time for that hedge to be removed. And that's that's precisely what the enemy uh, is asking. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy, in... Uh, in verse 11 and 12. But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And this is precisely where we are headed in these days. The hedge will be removed, but understand he needs the permission of God to do it. But understand the devil is, is simply a tool in the hand of the Lord. Something is being worked out on such a grand scale. And what the next 37 chapters unfold, getting to chapter 38 where we began, is, is all the questioning that would begin to happen because the hedge is removed. It's a time of purification. It's a time of trial. The, the question is this. If, if God removed everything from you and me, and I know this scares some people, if he let the hedge down, so to speak, if, if everything we've known of our creature comforts and, 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 and the things that we hold dearest to us were removed, the issue is, under the heat of that kind of a scrutiny, what would we do? Because what's actually being put forth now to the end-time church is precisely that kind of a question. 
if you truly believe what the scripture says, if you truly understand what it's revealing, then you know that what is predicted to happen is an intense scrutiny coming upon the church, and it will be given over for a season. Jesus called it the hour of trial, the hour of temptation. The Lord himself walked through it. He endured what none of us will be asked to endure, but we enter into what Paul called the fellowship of his sufferings. Where was his suffering? His sufferings were in the garden of Gethsemane, where he went up under such heavy scrutiny and trial to break the established will of God from his own humanity. And, and, and he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood for you and for me. But he kept his will, as he said in his prayer, not what I will, but what thine be done. So what we have revealed here is that the hedge will be removed. This is precisely what will take place for a season in the book of Revelation, where he goes to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And this is, you know, we call it the patience of Job, right? That's exactly what John says to the end-time church when he says in Revelation 13.10, here is the faith and the patience of the saints. Now, Job's been under attack as we go into the next 37 chapters, and, and much confusion begins to occur through his trial. The same thing's going to happen to us. And what you read in the next 37 chapters is an incredible discourse and, uh, between his, his supposed friends and, and his own out loud speaking, trying to figure out what he knows doesn't seem right to him. Many people are going to come up under this end time who love the Lord with all their heart, but there's but their understanding uh, at that at, at these moments isn't yet complete. The, the, what the, they don't know what they need to know, just as much as Job didn't know until we get to the 38th chapter and God begins to explain it to him, what's actually taking place. And so what you're witnessing for 37 chapters is a discourse and an out loud, uh, you know, proclamation of what's going on. And that's what happened. You know, Job comes under confusion and and, and even uh, reaching the point, if you remember, uh, where he wished that he had never, ever been born. And he said, that I, you know, oh, that I had, you know, died or not even been conceived. I mean, he goes on to say those kinds of things. But remember, his trial was only for nine months. It was a very short period of time, intense as it was. So then after this trial, the Father, the Lord, he shows up. And that's what's recorded in chapter 38 through 42. And he begins to address in the most profound and, and prophetically mysterious way, he begins to ask Job a series of questions in chapter 38. Listen to what I'm about to tell you now. It's, a, it's another key. Remember, when the Lord, in his word, or even in your spirit, speaks with questions, it's so that we will seek the answers. Let me say that again. When the Lord asks questions, it's so that we will seek the answers. And, 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 and that we, will, we can also learn from the question that the Lord asks that that we need uh, that we can we can gain understanding from the way that he asks the question. See, because questions pose pathways of thought, 
And so when the Lord asks you a question, he's trying to create a pathway of thought so that you'll seek out the answer. And it is done by the Holy Spirit who is in you. So the Lord begins in Job 38 by speaking in verse 38, chapter 38. Let's go back there now. Chapter 38. Can you begin? Uh, can you read to us verse 1, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said. So the Lord, when he finally shows up in the story, after 37 chapters of, of what we briefly described here, it says that he shows up in verse 1 and he begins to speak out of the whirlwind, which is really interesting. Because the Lord can show up any way he wants to, right? I mean, in, in Abraham's day, he showed up in the form of three, what, eight, what, what Abraham called three angels, right? They came in the plains of memory, and, and he reveals to him about Sodom and Gomorrah, right? So he can show up any way he wants. In, 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 in Moses' case, in, in the wilderness, he shows up as a flaming fire in a bush, right? Or when the children of Israel came down to Mount Sinai, he shows up with a bunch of trumpets and so forth and so on. He, he and comes down in the clouds, but here he shows up in a whirlwind. And and why this is important is because it it, it sets the tone and begins to to set the premise for how we're to approach what's about to be said from the perspective of God in a whirlwind. We see God in a whirlwind in the book of Ezekiel, when Ezekiel says he was sitting by the river Kebab in Babylon. And and God comes out of the north in a great whirlwind with fire unfolding itself, right? And 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 literally he's bringing the throne room of heaven with him. I mean that's what we go on to see. So in, in many ways, uh, it's a whirlwind. It's heaven, and so he comes in the fullness of the whirlwind, and he's he's presenting himself to Job precisely in these moments of great trial and scrutiny and where the hedge has been removed and he begins to speak with him. But he does so by beginning to elevate his understanding as to what in the world is actually going on here. So the fact that he presents himself in the whirlwind is, is God's way of telling us all of heaven is involved in what's happening. I'm under control, and the focal point, since I brought heaven to the earth, is the earth itself, Job. He begins to elevate Job's understanding, and he begins to speak to Job about big picture things. And he, he goes all the way, if you read chapter 38, you'll begin to see that he goes all the way back to eternity past, to the development of the universe, and then ultimately to the foundations of the earth when he asks him in verse 4 where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth he says so much you know and, and I really encourage you all to study this out but but we're going to pick up this conversation now as we hurry along uh, midpoint Brother Marty yes yeah, um, I think I think I think it's fascinating um, to see uh, to, to have insight into into how God teaches we're seeing the the ultimate teacher, right? The teacher of teachers, teaching. Yes. Um, we, you, you use that, that term, you know, uh, bigger picture, right? To see the full yes. picture. 
um, he's talking in levels here that to the carnal mind, it's hard to understand. Um, we use the same, uh, you know, the same, same term as, as, as teaching bigger picture with the apostle Paul. Yeah. Right. And, and other apostles and their ability to teach and, and, and bring the church into this kind of understanding, which is bigger picture. It's not about your situation right now. Mm-hmm. It, it's bigger than what you're going through right now. This is, again, mm-hmm. an eternal war that's spilling over into the natural. It's the eternal war of the ages that's playing out. We're just a part yeah. of it. But the enemy's very mm-hmm. good, and we said this before in the past, at isolating us and making our situation an isolated one and unique one in our eyes. But it's not. So he's trying to bring Job to that place to, of understanding, like, hey, you're involved in something much larger than, than, than your eyes can see. So I am going to teach you how to see the bigger picture. Incredible. That's right. Mm-hmm. No, that's an excellent, that's an excellent point uh, to make because that's precisely right, brother. The big picture is how God presents himself to Job, like you're saying there. And, and I love the way you put it, you know, the master teacher, right? And how he teaches, it's, it's, it's so elevated. Because in the natural, you would right. think, hey, right? Hey, I just, <laughs> I just lost my sons, my daughters, my house, you know, everything I own. And now I'm sitting here. It's been nine months. You know, I got boils all over me. I mean, I'm covered in sackcloth, on and on and on, right? I mean, and, and, and you're coming here talking to me about the foundations of the earth? Seriously? I mean, that's how I would think because I'm not Job, right? <laughs> so, I don't need about I don't need no sermon about you know the earth and the wind and the snow and you know all that stuff that God starts talking about. It's quite amazing, but thank God for Job as as the Lord. But again, it's big picture that He begins to deal with. So as you pointed out, and 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 again, Job is a type of Christ's church the hedge will be removed in the last days. I know that makes people afraid. But if you notice something, Job made it all the way through. It wasn't easy because God's in control, remember, and he didn't allow him to take his life. But he still had to experience some pretty heavy-duty things, and I pray that's not our lot in life. That's why Jesus said we were talking about the great snare uh, earlier, but that's why he said pray that you would be accounted worthy to escape these things and to stand before the son of man that should be our prayer no matter what but but the point is here the same big picture that was revealed to job which we're about to look at real quickly here is the same big picture that this this church right now in america and around the world is already well well familiar with it but but especially our brothers and sisters here that are just beginning to sense something's coming Something very foreboding is coming, and it's causing people's very, uh, you know, they might not admit it to each other, but there's a sense of unease and a, and a troubling of the interior peace of your soul. You sense it. That's the spirit of God in you. He's warning us, but not the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Sound mind comes by way of the word. 
And that's that's what God does here, and that's what he wants to do to his church in this hour. He says, what you're going to go through, the removing of the hedge, you better understand it on the big picture scale. That's why you hear us always talking about heaven and eternity and the coming of the Lord. Because somewhere along the line, I mean, <laughs> the church in America forgot. It's not about Lear Jets and Rolls Royces and, you know, seven-star resort vacation hotels and, you know, all that stuff that they preach at us, right? You know, materialism, this world, all that stuff. It ain't about that. It has nothing to do with anything. This is about God. This is about his universe, his plan, his purpose, and his children. Because remember, like we started out talking, he knows who his church really is. That's why when we picked up the story to begin with and we talked about Satan going to and fro up and down in the earth, that's a type of the end time global empire. And God knows precisely where his people are. That's who Job represents. And and the hedge around him. But the hedge will be removed. This is prophecy. Now, he says the only way you're going to be able to endure this, and this is why God shows up precisely when he does, is he begins to elevate the conversation to such a high level. And that's what we want to look at as we get ready to, to close. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're starting our, we're not on the bell lap yet, but we're getting there. All right, so, let's, <laughs> so we pick up the conversation midpoint. But let's look at what the Lord says. It's absolutely incredible. Can you read verse 30, Brother Jeremy? Verse 30, chapter 38. Yes. <laughs> The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Again, like Brother Fernando was just saying, to the casual reader, um, such things are just like, eh, okay. But for you who, brothers and sisters who've been following, and we've been on this journey together, you know that, that God is saying something very profound here, and it's found in connection with what he's trying to reveal to Job, like Brother Fernando just said, this is big picture stuff. And he wants him to understand, as he does his end-time church, this is big picture stuff. So the first thing he says here concerning this portion of what he's teaching him is he says, the waters are hid as with a stone. And then he uses the conjunctive word, and the face of the deep is frozen. Now, this is very interesting because Job is at the point of death. I mean, he, 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 this is it. He's coming down to it, but God's here now to rescue him, right? But let's take a look at this because what he first refers him to is the waters. Now, the waters in the Hebrew, uh, it, it comes from the Hebrew word ma'im, ma'im, M-A-Y-I-M, ma'im. And it's a very interesting thing. Because what he's referring to there is 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 a male quality. Waters as as uh, as semen. That's literally what it means. It means semen. I don't mean to be uh, undelicate here, but that's literally what it means. It means semen. In the context of what he's about to reveal here, it means semen. It's it's the procreative part. It's it's the thing that fertilizes or brings life. So the first thing he draws his attention to is the waters. 
the procreative waters, life, the refreshment, taken in context, that's literally what it means. And And so what he's trying to tell Job is everything that's happening has to do with with that substance that gives life it's the spark of life it's life itself so what you've come up under is all about this it's a question of the most incredible thing which is not only life itself for god is life right jesus is the way the truth and the life that's who he's referring to here by the way his son check this out he says it's about him it's about procreative life. And he says, the waters, that's literally what it means, the procreative life, the, the semen of all creation is hid. The word hid means to withdraw or to hide one's self or to be forced into hiding. And then it breaks off into the root word kebab, <laughs> C-H-B-A-B, as we would say it in English, Chabab is actually how you say it. It means to hide in the bosom. To have life hidden. To be cherished with affection. To love fervently. So what he's telling Job is he's referring him to the waters the procreative aspect of the Godhead is what he's saying. And he says, it's been hidden and it's been drawn into my bosom and it's cherished with great affection. I love, he's referring to Jesus, whether you can see it or not. I love him fervently, but I've had to withdraw him to my heart right now. Job back in his day, right? He's hidden for now. And he's hidden, he says, as a stone. The word stone comes from the word eben, E-B-E-N, eben. That word stone that he uses there means to build. And it also goes on to mean precious stones or stones of fire. And the one I like the most is it, it, it also means stones that contain ore for the purpose of making a tool or a weapon. Now, <laughs> let's put this all together. Because this is how he's talking to Job. This is how he's going to be talking to us right now in this hour. He says, listen, Job, the hedge has been removed. Your life is still preserved. It ain't easy. You're up under scrutiny. But what all this is really about is it goes back to the waters. It goes back to that procreative part of the Godhead. That's Jesus Christ. He's the beginning of the creation of God. He's the seed of God, right? That's what he's called. Abraham, uh, <laughs> he, he said, uh, your seed, right? He, he, Abraham is, it's called Abraham's seed. That's the Lord. He, he's, he is that seed of Abraham. So he's talking about the Lord, only he's using these languages. And he talks about that procreative seed being withdrawn, hidden, almost forced into hiding, into the very bosom of the Father. Like a stone, though, he says, 
because the ultimate intent, the purpose of hiding life, is that something is, is being built and is yet to be built. That's literally what he's telling him. And, and he's drawing his attention to the stone, uh, the, 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 the component upon which all things are going to be built. And he also, in the root word, is, is, is likening him to a weapon in the hand of God. So he identifies him as that, but then he joins it to the thought. Could you read verse 30 again, Brother Jeremy? Yes. The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. So then he, conjo- he connects it. He connects the, the waters which we've just talked about representing procreative life, are hidden in the heart, affectionately so. He's saying that what, <laughs> what this is all about, he's saying, goes all the way back. Because remember, he starts chapter 38 talking about eternity past, right? We didn't, get, we didn't cover all those verses up to this, but we're headed somewhere. Now listen, so he's telling them, look, uh, the waters are hidden like a stone. Everything is about Jesus here. He is that stone. He is the builder. He's going to bring forth precious stones. That's his church. He is that life. He's cherished and loved by the Father. What was revealed is is that ultimate expression of procreated life. Because, Job, what you're going through is all about attack and, 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 and corruption and decay and death all around you. The hedge has been removed, and something's attacking you. And in the midst of it, you're absolutely confused as to what is going on. And, and, and what is the solution out of this? And God comes and tells him, look, this is far deeper and far bigger than you understand. And the church is going to need to understand that as we head into these troublous times ahead. We're going to have to anchor ourselves on this kind of information. He says, look, <laughs> this, this, this procreative life, life which swallows up death, it's got to be hidden for a while. It's forced into hiding. It really is. He's revealing that for the protection of something that is yet to be built, I've had to withdraw it. But then he he connects it and basically is intimating when I bring it forth, something's going to be built. This is bigger than you understand, right? We've been talking about this. And so he says, the hiding of the waters as a stone are specifically concerning what Brother Jeremy just read in verse 30. Uh, the face of the deep is frozen. Now, <laughs> now, bear with me now, because what he then says is so incredible. What he says, what he reveals to Job is astounding, because what he says there, and taken in context with what we're talking about, let's break down these words. We already discussed the waters and the stone and all that. But now he says, and, and the face of the deep is frozen. So life has been hidden in my bosom. It is as a stone. It's the very building block of precious stones, something yet to be created. However, in in so doing, the intent and the purpose of that is the face of the deep is frozen. Listen, the word face in the Hebrew literally means the cherubim, as we've talked about before. And 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 when you break down that word there, it, it literally means the cherubim from before time. From a four time. I encourage you to go back earlier this year. We talked about in that podcast series, Let There Be Light. We dealt with these words here. It's the same words that the God is referencing here. The face, he says, which represents the cherubim, 
this. He's talking about Satan here. He's the face. And he is from before time. That's literally what the face means. He says the face or the cherubim of the deep. The word deep means the abyss. That's literally what it means, the abyss, which is a reference toward his domain. He's the cherubim over the abyss, right? He's the one who rules the, the underworld, so to speak. And then he uses this word, is frozen. Brother Jeremy, can you look up the word frozen? Yes. <clears throat> it means to catch in a net, trap, or pit. Generally, to capture or occupy, choose, yes. stick together. So really, to basically, take. and there's a whole bunch of other things, right? But basically, what he's literally saying there then is that the reason I've withdrawn the the waters of life and hid them in my heart, ultimately they will be brought out. I've done it as a stone, which is going to build something. Something is yet to be built. But by withdrawing that, what I've actually done, he said, is, a, is, is come against the face or the cherubim who rules the abyss. I've actually trapped him. I've caught him in a net. Incredible. <laughs> this is how God you know, brother, talks, uh, right? <laughs> Go ahead. I also want to reference something to you that you said uh, uh, again in, in verse thirty when you speak up when you spoke about the waters that are hid. You mentioned it, it hid means as as if to hit hide in a bosom, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, j just to find more word in that is in John chapter one, the apostle John would say would say the following in verse eighteen that no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, wow. He had declared Him. That's Amen. excellent, brother. That's John chapter one, verse eighteen. Yes. Yes. Wow. Excellent. Excellent reference there. Yes, that's precisely what He's saying. And so He says this was necessary in order to deal with with the cherubim of the abyss. Right, the face of the deep. That's literally what the, what it means. The cherubim of the abyss. And it will look up the word deep. What does the word deep mean, brother? Deep, 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 deep. Let me see here. It means <clears throat> it's an abyss as yeah. as a surging mass of water, especially the deep, the main sea. It means depth, deep places. Um, and many, yeah, many such things. Great. So the abyss, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the abyss, the surging mass of waters. Remember when we taught, and again, we encourage you to go back and listen to "Let There Be Light." Early on this year, we talked about, um, you know, the purpose of creation. But that's the same language that's being used there in Genesis chapter one, right, where he says, "And the and the spirit of God uh, moved upon what the face of the waters." And he's talking about the cherubim of the abyss. He's talking about a surging mass of water, God bringing the whole planet under judgment. And, and so he's referencing that. He takes him all the way back there and is basically telling him everything you're experiencing is part of that original plant. It's part of a trap. That's what the word frozen means. I've trapped him. I've caught him. I've captured him and everything he's about. 
That's what he's telling Joe. Incredible. Any thoughts? It also speaks of um, a separation. Um, it also speaks of why he had to hit that that water with like with a stone, right? Yes. Um, it, it, he it, it's it's where we get in Genesis that um, that 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 the light was was hid. Right, mm-hmm. and, then, and then the light came. Right, yes. To let there be light. It, it's not that there wasn't any light, or light was created in that instant. It was hid. Yeah. So when he said, "Let there be light," the light came forth. Right, and, and he was. You were able to make a uh, distinguish the light from the darkness. Um, yeah. So it also speaks of a separation as well, um, and he's trying mm-hmm. to let him know. Listen, this is my master plan. Um, yes. I had to isolate life from from this creature who brought darkness, or this being who brought darkness upon the earth. Upon the earth, um, but in doing so, I'm trapping him. Right? I'm I'm, yes. I'm isolating him. Mm-hmm. That's what that it's all sense? about. I mean, that yeah, that's that's a huge, that's an incredible statement. Now. I know that we have a, a wide audience that's listening to us. And so, you know, with varying degrees of, of spiritual understanding and the things of God. But but by the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, listen to these things carefully, meditate on them, look at the scriptures, break down the words, very simple. Get yourself a Bible app that breaks the Hebrew words down and the Greek words down. It's very simple. And you'll see as you dig into this, what he's telling Job is so profound as to be a million miles away from from our own simple human understanding, so to speak, what we think about on a day-to-day basis. This is God the Father talking. And he is saying <laughs> that that you are part of something that involves the entirety of the eradication of the originator of the very one who's troubling you right now. I'm coming after mm. him and, and he's already been caught. He just don't know it basically. And, and, and what's fascinating is he's using the, the material creation that Job's familiar with mm. to bring understanding and light to him. He takes right. him, right? He takes him from an earthly perspective now. He starts there in verse 30. From an earthly perspective with waters and the face of the deep, stone, all that stuff. Takes him from an earthly perspective. And then after revealing it, as we've been discussing it, the Hebrew words and what they mean, he then lifts his head and says, now look to the heavens. Read verse 31, if you could, brother. Uh, Jeremy, 31, 32, and 33. And Brother Marty, just to add to that as you go to that verse, um, it, it's like he's speaking in a parable, right? The the, the psalm says, I'll yes. speak in a parable and dark sayings. Um, it's what Jesus would do. It's the same example he would, he would uh, use uh, to his disciples yeah. in parables. He would use 
yeah. something in the natural to explain something spiritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto ten virgins. So in understanding mm-hmm. ten virgins, you're going to understand uh, spiritual principles, but and, and so forth and so on, right? Uh, and yes. Jesus said things to his disciples, is given unto you to know, right, the, mm-hmm. the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's an excellent uh, point. Wait there. Wait right there, because what you just said there is an excellent point, because that's exactly what the Lord said. Remember what his disciples asked him. He goes, why are you, why are you talking to us in parables? Right. And his response was, because it's not for them, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Understand. Right. But for you, go ahead, right. brother. <laughs> yeah, and, and, he no, and, and just speaking and, of, of, of the religious of the religious leaders and those who would only seek him out of curiosity, he wanted to distinguish uh, those who really wanted to seek him from those who were just pretenders and curious people, right? Uh, yes. But it again, let, let's let's go back to what what the Lord is saying to Job. He's using the creation, right? Uh, what is visible to speak of something that is ongoing that's invisible. Yes. Right. And so he's using the, 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 the creation, right. The the components that make up the creation to teach, uh, Job about who this, uh, creature is that is tormenting him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. And he and he and he begins to teach him concerning the origin of where this being comes from and what he did. Mm-hmm. Now, now this is so important to every believer. You need to know who you are going up against. Yes. You need to know where he began, how he originated, what he did, where it began. And this necessitates for you to go back to before the time of creation. Mm-hmm. Now, anything before the time of creation is spiritual. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Creation is, is natural. It's what we see. You have yeah. to go back into the spirit realm. And only God can take you there by his spirit. To fully understand why you are engaged in this war, why we are in the middle of a pandemic, why the nation is the way it is today. We are dealing with forces that are unseen. Right. Right? This goes beyond politics. This goes beyond your 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 situation in, in the natural. But if you don't understand that, then you won't understand how to properly go about uh, in your Christian walk, right, mm-hmm. and, and, and so forth and so on. So this is so powerful, and you're right. The reason many people can't te- don't teach on the Book of Job is because they don't know how to properly divide it. Because it's yeah. so deep. It, is it really so is. <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna say, Brother Jeremy? Yeah, and to add to what you're saying, how God uses creation to reveal. I think it's interesting that from the beginning of the Bible, in the first chapter, in chapter 1 of Genesis and verse 14, God himself said, let, when he said, let there be light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, let them be for signs, you know? So the creation is, is God's billboard, <laughs> in, in a sense, right? Uh, to reveal, uh, 
Yeah, and go right. on with the rest of those verses there because not only for signs, right, but to give something on the earth. Yes. What does he go on to say? Read the rest. He, he says, and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for light in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the go. earth. To give light upon the earth. So what he's mm-hmm. like you you're both speaking there is is this is incredible what he says because he's taking the material substance of creation and saying I've hidden truth in it and what the specific design of it is for my children is to give light to them who are upon the earth now it's remember what what Daniel was told that the wise will understand. In the final days, they're going to begin to understand from the word incredible things he was saying. And so we're taking those <laughs> principles, right? And, and, and he yeah. says, look, this creation, I have interwoven within it the revelation of my plan. And so when I come to talk to you, Job, or in time church, or church all along the saints of God since the beginning of creation... Of course, I'm going to talk to you from this perspective, because unto you it is given to know the mysteries of heaven, like Brother Fernando just pointed out, and like Brother Jeremy just quoted, and and the creation itself is designed to give light upon the earth, understanding upon the earth, and yet it is so wrapped and entwined in such a magnificent display of perfect order that that as the spirit leads you and digs into it and and shows you it is always connected to the plan the purpose of god the testimony of jesus and the spirit of prophecy and end time events brother jeremy could you read to us romans because that you might as well just go there because paul put forth the same theology that's what he meant when he talked uh chapter one in romans yes uh, I think it's 18 through 20. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was here already. I'm glad you said that. The verse 20. But I, I'm going to start from verse 18. For the wrath of God. Yeah, eight, 18 through okay. 20. Okay. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Okay, stop right all. there. Stop right there. Remember what you were just reading that the things in the heavens were meant to give light upon the earth. And so here he directs our attention to something that can be understood about the wrath of God. How it's revealed and where it's revealed from is the heavens themselves, right? He goes on to say the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. (laughs) Go ahead. Keep reading. Amen. It says, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are, without excuse okay so that, <laughs> that is so yeah. incredible what he says yeah. uh 
but he's talking about things that cannot be seen are clearly seen by the things that God made. And then he said the things that can be seen clearly, he says clearly, uh, <laughs> are are the, are his eternal power, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that those two things should be clearly understood by what is made in the heavens, the creation of the world. And what he's talking about there is the creation of the cosmos. The actual universe itself uh, can be clearly understood if you're not one that you know, is participating in everything but, right? If you're just completely tied up in, 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 you know, unrighteousness and ungodliness and so forth and so on, eventually what ends up happening is your mind and your heart becomes darkened. And that's what he goes on to say in verse 21. Could you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. The light gets put out. That's basically what he's saying. So when you're walking around with with most people and you're having conversations, you're basically talking to someone that has absolutely no light in them if they're not saved. And 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 this is a progressive thing that happens to all humanity. It's why you can talk to a child about the most, you know, fantastic things and they don't question whether it's true or not. They have the capacity to believe at such a level, which is what Jesus said we're supposed to be like, a child. He said, But when we grow up and we begin to engage in the things of, of the world, then what he says begins to happen is that our, our minds begin to slowly be put out. Our hearts begin to be put out. We become foolish, and the heart itself that has been illuminated by God from the moment of conception to birth, it is suddenly put out and darkness floods the soul. That's why you can talk to some people about Christ that seems so obvious to you and it's and they have absolutely no pretext to to to, to hold on to or even to believe what you have to say. But it's by the word of God. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? No, Christians, even Christians. Yes. You know, you know, it's like we, we always talk about it like we have no point of reference to start conversations with certain Christians so that yeah. we can speak at this level. And it's something that all believers should have been trained in to, to, to see things uh, in scripture at this level, to understand the language of, of, of God in his word. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You know, like, like, like Genesis one, like we were just quoting Genesis one fifteen, and let them be for light in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so, I mean, if you read that in a natural, you're thinking of, 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 of the stars and the planet, the moon, you know, uh, uh, you, you're talking, that's what you think about naturally that give light into the earth. But if you see it spiritually and tie it with what we're reading in Romans, the Lord is speaking at a much deeper level that yeah. the, the building blocks of creation you know, yeah. in the cosmos, they 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 declare the gospel. Yes, right. They declare the gospel and they give light or illumination or revelation to us of that which cannot be seen. You know, right? you were making me. Yeah, you were making me think there about 
you know, it's, it's almost as if the father just went, I'll talk to him. I'll make a universe. Kaboom, right? I mean, there's this massive universe. <laughs> exactly. And, and then the Lord is always, I'm just thinking as a man now, God forgive me, but it's like the Lord says, okay, Father, I think we need, we need to go down and talk to them personally because they're not getting it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <good> point. <laughs> yeah. So the word was made flesh, right? <laughs> and dwelt <Yeah>. among us. <laughs> Praise God. No, my Lord. He's he's a we serve a we serve a big God as the old timers used to say. This is the creator talking, right? And and it's fascinating what he's saying and what he's concealing and revealing. To his to his servant Job. Now, we've gone quite far, but let's let's just keep going a little bit here, and 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 because uh, there's so much here, brothers. I mean, there is so much here. I don't know how much we can get through, how long we've been going. I think already. But so again, so verse 30. Go back to verse 30 of chapter 38. We've dealt with the waters are hid as a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. What God was actually saying there is quite amazing. He, he's basically referencing the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, hidden in His heart intended to become a building block to create precious stones. Something is being built, he tells Job. I had to withdraw him into my bosom. Brother Jeremy quoted that beautiful scripture from John chapter 1, verse 18. Uh, he comes from the bosom of the Father. And, and he says that the intent, Job, has always been, and what we actually did do already, is we, we trapped him, captured him, caught him in a net. You know, he goes on later, you know, to, to refer to him as, as Leviathan in the sea, right, and so forth and so on. But we'll talk about that at another time. So having dealt with uh, waters and, and earthly things that Job uh, is now being having revealed to him, he then immediately takes him and has him look into the heavens. And and he says this in verse 31 and 32. Can you read verse 31 and 32, Brother Jeremy? I mean, through 33? Yeah. I'm sorry. 33. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maserat in his season, or canst thou guide Art Arcturus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? So incredible. So after he reveals this massive piece of the puzzle to him, you know, this is this is so huge because we're talking about the removal and the destruction and the capturing of that wicked cherub. That's what he said. And and it would be done by the removing and hiding of Christ in his bosom. He hinted at it many times. Remember when he had Moses take his right hand and and put it in his bosom, remember? And he had Moses yes. take his right hand out, and, and and the hand became leprous. And then he he put the hand back in his bosom, and then took it out again, and it was perfectly clean. He's hiding in that act there, how that his right from his heart would come one who would become leprous. That's the Lord. He took upon himself the sin of the world. And then he said, put that back in your bosom. He goes back into the heart of the Father. When he comes back, he's not coming back as sin. He's coming back without sin unto salvation. <laughs> so he's, he uses these references to teach us profound things. That one's for free. So now look. So now from the, pers <laughs> from the perspective the Lord takes uh, Job, 
uh, you know, in verse 30, he now takes him to the heavens. And he begins to reveal to him the meaning and the purpose of the stars, which is incredible. Because that's where he wants him focused. That's what he wants him to begin to really understand. And that's why I think we can begin to understand even more profoundly what the Lord Jesus meant. When you see these things, he says, begin to come to pass. He says, look up, right? Look up. (laughs) Look up. He even took our attention there. He said, there will be what? Signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. Look up, he said. You're going to learn something if you do, is basically what he's saying. And I want you to look at some things here. And, and, and I really feel like if I go on in this, we're going to be here another hour and a half. Because what he's about to reveal here is so extraordinary as to be absolutely humbly. I broke down in tears this morning. as And I've studied these things for years. <laughs> but uh, he began to open up some things to me this morning that I was literally so affected by, I started to cry because it was, it's so beautiful. It's so wonderful what he's done. And to begin to realize who our God is and how he's concerned. I mean, he showed up, when he showed up to talk to Job, it was in the whirlwind. I mean, he didn't come in the form of an angel Gabriel. He didn't, I mean, he didn't come like that, you know? a cloven tongue of fire, God bless him for that, you know, as it sits upon each individual disciple. No, he came with the entirety of heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. (laughs) In a whirlwind. I didn't mean to diminish the Holy Spirit by saying a cloven tongue of fire. No, 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 I didn't mean it like that. I was just trying to emphasize, he didn't display himself to Job in 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 an aspect. He came in the fullness of who he is, in the whirlwind. And, and so I, I began to I, I began to weep this morning as, as I saw these things. Now, now look, uh, there's three things he references, four really, but and 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 we're going to see. And, and I'm going to have to hold off to tomorrow. This is just so good. We'll talk about uh, one of them or two of them maybe. <laughs> maybe we'll pick it up here tomorrow. But I just want to whet your appetite with this. Because now he's going to take Job to focus on the heavens, and he wants him to understand that it's always been written in the stars, and that the perspective of understanding that he he needs in the midst of this removing of the protective hedge of his life for this short season, he says, you need to anchor yourself above Lift up your eyes and look at this. That's what he tells him. And and then look at what he references here, brother. He references the Pleiades. He references Orion. He references the 12 constellations of the heavens. That's what Mazarot is. And he references Arcturus with his son. So he draws Job's attention first and foremost to the Pleiades, which is a constellation of seven stars. 
He then draws his attention to Orion, which is a constellation of the mighty hunter. We'll talk about that probably tomorrow. After those two references, he then takes him to the entire constellation around the Earth of all 12 signs of the zodiac, if you will. It's called Mazaroth in the Hebrew. It represents the 12 constellations in the heavens. And after that, he references guiding Arcturus with his sons. So we're going to look at that. We'll pick it up from here tomorrow, I think, uh, because what he's, what he's referencing him and what I want you to understand is we're headed into a specific way that he reveals it. In other words, he doesn't just throw out Arcturus, come back up with the Pleiades, maybe talk about Mazra, and then Orion. No, no, he gives us an exact list here. The flow, if you will, how he now wants to reveal something to him. He takes him deeper. He, he started in verse 30 by dealing with things in eternity past, really. He basically took Job all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 and 3. That's where he took him to when he started getting into this level of explanation. After that, he then takes him to the Pleiades, to Orion, to Mazaroth, and to Arcturus and his sons, and then connects it to verse 33, where he references those uh, aspects of the heavenly bodies to becoming, to being part of the ordinances of heaven, and then in imposing the ordinances of heaven and setting their dominion in the earth. That's where we're headed. The ultimate dominion in the earth will culminate with the return of the king. And as we go on further, we're going to see some absolutely amazing things. And I pray that you'll join us tomorrow. When Job came to the end of this and all that God was revealing here in the next 38, 39, 40, 41, and 42, he says something so profound that, that made me, it broke my 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 own spirit here. And, and I understood something that made me weep and asked God to cleanse me and forgive me. You know, I just felt like, wow, Lord, I, I, forgive me of not, I mean, I know you're an awesome God, but man, after seeing what we're going to see, brothers and sisters, as we go along, it leaves you absolutely stunned and in awe of how God speaks. And Job says something in, in Job 42 when he starts talking to God. And he says in verse 5 and 6, could you read that too, brother, brother, us, brother Jeremy? Verse 5 and 6? Yes. Verse 5 and 6 of Job 42? Yes. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. That's an incredible statement. Mm -hmm. He says, I've heard about you, God. And I, and I began to really reflect on it because remember what we're talking about here. God has elevated Job beyond the heavens, man. I mean, he's <laughs> as he goes on here, he just gives him so much information that is that that'll shake you when you actually hear, and the Holy Spirit allows us to see and hear. Uh, it, it shakes you. 
because basically what Job was saying, because we know he's a, he's a perfect man. He eschews evil. That's, but he felt just like Isaiah did, right? He said, uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah 6, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple, right? I saw the cherubim crying, holy, holy, holy. He said, when I saw the Lord, he said, I cried out. I'm a man of unclean lips, right? Uh, I mean, he was he was undone, he said. Uh, Job has the same experience here. He says, I've, I've heard about you. You know, he's basically saying, I, I thought I knew you. But after you just revealed all this stuff to me, he says, now I see you. How great and how awesome you are. What he actually said was, uh, when he said, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes, he was basically saying, I, I abhor myself for limiting my understanding of how awesome a God you truly are. And I mean, that's what, literally what he's saying. And I repent of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I repent of ever limiting you, God. I repent of ever questioning things. I, I'm just, I, I, I'm just a, a man that didn't understand. I, I mean, I, I guess I, all I've ever done is really just hear about you. But if you ever get like, if we ever have that opportunity and honor to see God like Job did, to see Him like only the Holy Spirit can open, like John said about Jesus, right? We beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He is the light that lights every man that comes into the earth. He came to his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 He said, when I, I heard about you, but when I saw you, my God, I realized I, 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 <laughs> I've been limiting you, man. I mean, Lord God Almighty, I mean, you're God. And I repent of that, that I've ever thought of you any less in any way. I know who you are now. And, and when he spoke that, God goes and deals with his situation, right? Church, these are trying times, you know, and and these are these are moments that we're headed into that are going to be incredibly difficult to deal with. At some times, things we're going to see, pressures we're going to feel, but we are not without comfort. We are not without the information. It's been given to us. It's been hidden in many respects for generations in certain ways. The gospel itself has been made plain for the last 2,000 years, but but in this sense, revealed here is a great and mighty revelation of the God of glory, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, because that's who Job saw. He's coming. He's He came in direct response to the removing of the hedge. And that is what we're told in the prophecies. That when this thing takes full shape and it's under, it's under, you know, it's 
full manifestation, Satan walking to and fro and up and down on the earth, and the short season of the removing of the hedge. God is coming in a great whirlwind. And what this has always been about is the trapping, the catching, and the imprisoning of the wicked one forever and forever. Even so, return quickly, Lord. Join us tomorrow as we we go forward into part two of the ordinances of heaven. Right, Jeremy? My mind, what a what a foundation that's been laid today to the listener, uh, to us, as we go forward in in our in our study of the ordinances of heaven. And we pray that you've been blessed. We pray that this word has ministered to your heart and reminded you that we serve a mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he <laughs> and he's coming again. And you know, I love it because. God always reveals these things to his servants, amen, as he did to Job, as he did to Noah, as he did to Abraham. God does not conceal anything from those that he loves, amen. And I find comfort in that, that he is faithful. So please join us tomorrow as we continue on this journey, as we continue on this study. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up. <laughs> <Hallelujah>. <laughs>